Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, which is Pastor George's last sermon, he talks about his wonderful life and what he plans to do in the future with his wonderful life. This sermon was originally preached on June 18th, 2023 at Lingostown Life. When she called or when she read Pastor George, you need to know that when she was in those troubled teenage years, that was how she referred to me, (laughs) Pastor George. Oh, Oh, thank you, kids. Uh, Thanks to each and every one of you. um, And uh, I'm going to try and make this quick. Um, Probably be good for all of us. So July July 2nd, 2006, uh, I preached my first sermon here at Lingolstown Life. Um, The funny thing was this past week, yeah, this past week I was cleaning out the office, and uh, if you've ever been to my office, you know that my office has always been just, looks like somebody came in and threw a hand grenade, and that sort of was what it was like, and, and uh, I, was, I, I spent the last two, three weeks just going throw, through and pulling things out of file folders and throwing them out. Um, because I'd saved things for the last 17 years. And as I was going through the credenza, I found the, I found the first sermon that I preached here uh, on July 2nd of, uh, of 2006. And uh, I, I had no idea where it was, and uh, I pulled it out, and I thought, well, I guess I'll read this. And I started to read it, and uh, it, was, it was just fascinating to see what I said on my first Sunday. And so I actually want to talk to you a little bit about what I said on my first Sunday in July of 2006. But I was talking about the the sermon title was Our New Beginning. Um, First of all, how many of you remember the 11 by 17 bulletins that we used to have on a Sunday morning? They were huge, okay? Uh, trifolded over and over again. That's, that's what's on that picture there. But I started off in that sermon talking about Lewis and Clark and about how they had set out to find the Northwest Passage that would connect uh, the Mississippi all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, as I talked about that, uh, you know, we know that Lewis and Clark didn't find that single waterway from the Mississippi from the Mississippi to the Pacific, but in the process, they were able to map the the great Northwest. And in the first leg of their journey, they actually uh, got to the headwaters of the mighty Missouri River. Now, the Missouri River, where it comes into the Mississippi, is a huge, expansive river that is always flowing with water. And uh, when they got to the headwaters of the Missouri River, uh, Meriwether Lewis recorded this in his journal that day. He said, Private Hugh McNeil, quote, exultantly stood with a foot on each side of this little rivulet, 
and thanked his God that he had lived to bestride the mighty and heretofore deemed endless Missouri. And so the Missouri River, like many things in life, looks a whole lot different at the beginning than it does at the end. And that is also true of the kingdom of God and the part that you and I are blessed to participate in. Then I made this statement, offered this prayer as a part of that first sermon, and here's the words for it. My prayer today is that our new beginning will be noted as just a small rivulet that leads to a great move of God's Spirit that will flow out from this point into a great future of God's own planning. That was my prayer 17 years ago, and I can rejoice today that God answered that prayer. He answered that prayer in your lives, and God allowed me to be a part of that answered prayer here at Lingolstown Life. In that same message, I quoted one of our former pastors from here at Lingolstown Life, the Reverend C.E. Ulrich. And I don't know what it is about old pastors, but they, they always had just their first and middle initial. I don't know. So I guess in the annals of history, I'll be known as G.S. Reynolds. But anyway, he served here from 1940 to 1955. So he is now eclipsed as the pastor with the longest uh, tenure by me. But this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, our church is more than a brick building, a few stained glass windows, or a bell ringing on Sunday morning. We are a fellowship of Christian believers divinely established with a spiritual mission to fulfill. And I believe that that is what we have done over the last 17 years. We have fulfilled the mission that God has given to us. It wasn't that I fulfilled the mission, and I want you to be aware of that. It's not what I did to fulfill the mission. It's what we did to fulfill the mission. And the other part of that is that the mission isn't over. The mission isn't over. I wanted to, to share with you just a, a few selected verses of Scripture from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4. And uh, this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul was writing to his young protege, Timothy, and uh, Paul was reaching the end of his life. So some of the things Paul is saying in here sounds like you're dying, okay? <laughs> I'm not dying, okay? Um, I'm just moving to the next adventure in life. So, uh, here are the things that Paul says to Timothy, starting in chapter 3, verse 10. He says, you, that is Timothy, and I'm saying you to all of you today, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Here I am. Uh, 
I've had lots of people over the years who've told me that, that what I've done from up here is to share with you real life stuff, whether it's mine or my family's, uh, who sometimes I didn't actually compensate or ask if I could tell their stories, but I did. And uh, when I read this scripture, it, it reminds me that I have just put it all on display for you. And my hope and my desire has been that, that as you get to know me, as you have gotten to know me, you know what I've taught you. You know the way that I've lived it out. You know the purpose with which I have lived. You have seen my faith, my pa well, not always my patience, but my love and my endurance. And so... Uh, I hope that you will always remember what I taught you. Because, Jesse, that song was wonderful. You know, what any teacher ever hopes is that what they've taught you will stick. And it won't just go in one ear and out the other, but that it will actually, it'll actually resonate inside there and then take residence. And that's, that's what we really... That's what we really desire as pastors. And, you know, you know all about my teaching and my way of life. Now, there's going to be a new pastor here in, in two weeks who's going to begin to share her life with you. And you are going to be able to learn from her life and from her example. And she is going to teach you new things that I haven't had the opportunity to teach you. But... That's the way the kingdom of God works. After one pastor, there comes another and another, and that's a part of the flow of God's spirit throughout life. Now, Paul continues moving down to verse 14, and he says this, but as for you, and again, he's talking to Timothy, I'm talking to you today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. You know, there can be no greater joy for a pastor than to actually see that people follow through on what he told them to do. And to me... The greatest blessing that you will ever give to me is that you live what I taught you. Because if you live what I taught you, then I will have had the greatest blessing in all of my life. Then Paul writes these final words, and again, th this, is, this is Paul recognizing that he's at the end of life, and this is what he says. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. And these were words that I read in the scripture on the day that I believe God called me to ministry. And this is what God said to me. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. I'm going to skip verse 6 because this is Paul's, Paul's story, not mine. But I want to jump down to verse 7 where he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So let me go back one more time to that first sermon from July of 2006. And when you think about that story of Lewis and Clark, well, you know, when Lewis and Clark had to get out of the boat and start moving through the wilderness, they didn't have a trail to follow. They had to blaze their own trail. And I want you to remember today that the future doesn't have any footprints to follow. And just like Lewis and Clark, who had to blaze their own trail in the undisturbed wilderness, so too did we 17 years ago. And so for the 17 years that I was blessed to lead Lingolstown life on this journey of faith through these uncharted, untouched wilderness, there was only faith to follow where God's Spirit led. There was only faith to follow where God's Spirit led. And what an adventure it's been. I mean, looking around at, at each and every one of you, heavens, we've been on some adventures. We've been to some of the most joyful mountaintop experiences in your life, and we have been at some of the lowest places in your life. Those are the adventures. We've done a lot of things in here that, well, for some people they'd say you can only do it by faith. <laughs> You're sitting in one of them. You know, in 2008, when we got this crazy idea that we were going to build this structure, the economy was going down faster than it had ever gone. And people were like, is this a good time to do this? And God kept saying, go. And so you sit here today in a place that was built by our faith. We didn't necessarily see it, but we believed it. And that's the thing about faith. Heavens, three years ago, nobody knew what, what COVID was, and nobody had any idea what the church would have to go through. Yet somewhere in our ability to take a step of faith into the unknown, we installed cameras in our building. This was before there was a pandemic. And so that March in 2020, when we shut the world down, we were ready to go. 
And that Sunday morning, if you were here yesterday, Matt was talking about that. There were like five of us in the sanctuary talking to a camera. And I'll tell you all the notes that came from folks. I, I read so many notes as I was cleaning out my office. It was a step of faith. And who knew what that was going to entail in the year that followed that? It's been an adventure. And today, I'm going to step off the trail as your lead pastor. Literally, when I walk out the door today, well, I have to come back and get my computer taken care of, but I'm not coming back to pastor here my son was gracious in saying that I'm going to, you could put me on your speed dial. Don't. <laughs> when I walk out that door in, in, in a, probably in the next hour or so, I'm not going to be your pastor anymore. And that's okay. Because God has provided you a wonderful pastor who is going to lead you in the unknown of what this coming season is going to be for you and for Lingolstown life. But what I will be is I will be your biggest cheerleader, and I will be your best friend, and I will be your biggest encourager. That's what I already said. So, uh, When Pastor Rachel stands up here in two weeks and begins to lead you all, God's Spirit is going to guide her to help all of us blaze a new trail to fulfill the mission and to continue that mission that C.E. Ulrich had been talking about. And so my, my word to you about your new leader is that you need to trust her. You need to follow her. You need to encourage her. You need to pray for her. And you need to bless her the same way that you blessed me. I remember what it was like 17 years ago to step into that pulpit over there because this wasn't here. We were in a parking lot literally 17 years ago in this spot. But if you will honor Pastor Rachel in the same way that you honored me for these last 17 years, your future will be great. I know that. So I'm going to close with this. So how many Ted Lasso fans are there out here? Oh, good. There's a few more at this service than the last one. Anyway... Um, so the, the story of Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV, it, it, it finished up its third and final season. And uh, in the final episode, um, there was something that came out at the end of the final episode that I'm going to end with today. But let me give you the backstory because you need that to really understand. So Ted Lasso was an American football coach who got hired to coach an English football team. For those of you who don't know what that means, he was hired to go from coaching American football to coaching soccer, okay? Now, 
The reason behind that was that the owner of the, the Richmond Greyhounds was looking for a way to sink the team and literally destroy it because she and her husband had just divorced and she had control of the team and she wanted to take it down as a final way to get back at her husband. So she hired Ted. And Ted came to the, U to, to the UK, and he knew nothing. He knew nothing about soccer. Some of the fun, the, the most fun in the whole movie is Ted learning to find out what everything meant in England as opposed to here in the US. Anyway, in this final season, in the final episode, Ted takes the greyhound into the greyhounds into the uh, the finals of the uh, of the uh, of the Champions League and uh, and up to this point Ted has been at the highest point as a coach he's been at the lowest point as a coach with this team and uh, and now here they are at this great momentous moment and through this final season, Ted Cr Trent Crim, the uh, Trent Crim, come on, somebody say it, the Independent. Yes, he uh, he he's been he's been a journalist for many years, and now he's writing a book about about the Greyhounds and about Ted Lasso and. And uh, he's, been, he's been given total access, you know, and he's been watching them and he's been observing everything. And, and so we get to the final episode and Trent takes his, uh, his manuscript of the book that he has been writing and he hands it to Ted and the other coaches and he said, before this goes to the publisher, I want you to read it and comment on it. And so, that's sort of where that part of the story ends. But there is a conclusion to the story, and that is that, well, before I tell you that, I sort of felt like Ted Lasso 17 years ago when I walked in here. I really didn't have a clue. I really didn't have a clue what it was going to be like. I, I, like Ted Lasso, did the best with the gifts that God gave me. And, you know, someday when people look back at the season that I got to coach Linglestown Life, there may be some who might be inclined to, well, to label it the Reynolds way, sort of like the Lasso way. But I want to remind you today what Ted wrote to Trent on his copy of that manuscript. Thank you for joining us on the Linglestown Life podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.linglestownlife.org God bless you, and may you go forth and love God and love others.